Man, I'm excited today because we're starting that brand new series, Under God, and it's really a series on politics, America, and the church, okay? It's exciting, but also you're like, oh, it's a little nervous. <laughs> you know, I'm a little nervous here. Uh, I'm a little nervous. You might be a little nervous, and you probably should be, to be honest, uh, because I'm going to say some things up here that maybe some people might be offended by. Some people might consider it controversial, but listen, all I'm going to say, my job as a pastor and as a minister of the gospel, of the word of God, is to basically give you what the Bible says about any topic that we have in our lives. Any topic that, that you think that, oh, the Bible doesn't talk about this, I can guarantee you that there are some principles in the Bible if it's not directly addressed, I can guarantee you that there are principles that you can pull out and extract from the Bible that apply to your everyday life and any situation that you see. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, there's an election coming up. Did anybody not know about that or have you heard about it? I, I, you know, I just heard about it the other day. I'm just kidding. Man, it is all over the place, y'all. It is all over the news. It is everywhere. Some people are excited. Some people are nervous. Okay, understandably so. Uh, everyone, though, has an opinion on it, right? It seems like everybody is on Facebook these days. Everybody is on Twitter. And I said this last week just briefly, but everybody has an opinion on what's going on with this election and with this election season, this election cycle. And I've never seen more Twitter and Facebook rage than I have seen and from the last few months. If you've been on social media at all, you probably know a few people that have been on there saying some things and you're like, man, I did not know this about you. I said this last week, but I'm like, goodness gracious, like you are kind of mean, you know, like you have no sympathy for anyone. And you're just trying to prove your point here. And like, you just don't even care about what anyone else thinks. You're not even listening at all. You're just spewing out hatred at people. Uh, but everybody has an opinion in some way about what's going on in America. But more importantly, I see this, and this is the terrifying thing, is that I see this great divide, right? We all see this right now. We see this divide of, uh, of, of between, you know, right and left, okay, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberals. We see this massive divide, and it's not even just that. It's, it goes deeper than that, right? And we even see this divide nowadays between black and white, right? The races now uh, are having this greater divide than maybe we've seen in a little while. But more importantly than that, and what's even more scary than that to me, in my opinion, is that even Christians now are being divided amongst one, amongst one another. That is a very, very scary thing when we start to see even the family of God start to become divided on some of these issues, not just small divisions, but big, big divisions where we're really, really hurting one another and, and accusing people of things and hurting people. And I see this happening and it scares me, right? And it should scare you too. People are, uh, one thing I wanna say right up front, okay? We're gonna mention the candidates' names here in a second, all right? And I don't want anybody to, you know, when I say Trump, I don't want you to be like, yeah, you know, I don't want you to be like that. Or we're not going to boo. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to get super excited and clap. You know, when I mentioned Joe Biden, the same thing, we're not going to do that. But uh, I just want to make sure that we're all being respectful uh, of each other's opinions in here in this place, because not everybody thinks the same way. All right. And we're not here to endorse a candidate, but we're here to just see what Jesus says. So uh, before I talk about this, I just want to make sure I got that out of the way. All right. So some people are very much for Joe Biden. Okay, right? They're very much for him and the platform that he stands on. And, uh, but maybe some people, they're like, you know, I'm just voting against Trump. Okay, right? Like, I just don't want him to be in for another four years. So I'm voting against him uh, for Joe Biden. Not because necessarily I love what he stands for or anything, but just I just don't want Trump, right? But then some other people are like hardcore 
pro-Trump, you know, they're flying the flags, having the rallies, whatever it might be, and they're hardcore for Trump. Or maybe some people are just saying, you know what, I'm actually not necessarily for him, but I'm just kind of against Joe Biden, so that's why I'm going to be voting that way. Uh, It's gotten so crazy, even in the 2016 election, and especially now, some people are saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm moving. I'm going to South America. I'm gone, you know, (laughs) like, like I'm going to a different country. I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. It just seems it's too much for me to handle. It's all over the news. It's all in the headlines. And uh, and then uh, I think a very popular sentiment that we all might have as well, at least a lot of us, is it's like, is this really the best we have? <laughs> you know, like, are these the best choices that we have? And maybe you're excited about a candidate or not, but I do know a large majority of people that are saying like, man, is this, is this the best we have in the whole country? We have these, these two people and this, this ticket on either side. And some people are just frustrated. They're like, man, I don't even know really who to vote for because I, I see some things on both sides that I'm not really a fan of. And listen, it's just difficult because it seems like no matter which candidate wins, no matter what party wins, there's kind of this sense of hopelessness that, that is kind of setting in into many people in America. This sense of hopelessness that no matter what party's in charge, that there's, there's still going to be problems, right? And how many of you know that at the end of the day, no matter what party's in charge or who wins, we're going to have problems, right? We're going to have issues in America. Um, but that's why I wanted to start this new series, Under God, because uh, it's not just about uh, this, this hopelessness that we see, but we want to bring some hope and some light and, and shed some light about what God says about these things. We're going to split the Pledge of Allegiance actually into f- the four last phrases, okay? And we're going to see what God has to say about the Pledge of Allegiance and where we're headed in America. So uh, growing up, I remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, did you guys say the Pledge of Allegiance when you were in school? Uh, yeah, for the most part, I think. I don't even know if they still do or not, to be honest. I don't think they do, but a few of them do. Okay. Um, but, you know, I remember I went to a Christian school, all right? I was K-4 to college. I was private school, guys. So if I'm a little weird, that's why, all right? You'll rem- <laughs> Just keep that in mind, okay, uh, as you go about listening to me talk on a regular basis. I went to a Christian school, and at the Christian schools, uh, we don't just say the Pledge of Allegiance. We also say the Pledge to the Bible, and we also say the Pledge to the Christian flag. I didn't know if you knew that, but there's a few private school kiddos in here. And we said three pledges. Uh, yeah, every single day we would say the three pledges. And by the time you got, at my school anyway, we would say the one to the Christian flag, then to the Bible, because you know God's first, right? And then, uh, and then we would do the Pledge of Allegiance afterwards. But as a first grader, by the time you get through two pledges, you know, and you're standing there just like putting your hand on a Bible or whatever it is, and you're putting your hand, whatever you're raising your hands, all that stuff. By the time you get to the third one, you're kind of just like, pledge allegiance to the flag. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even care anymore. I was just bored. I'm like, I just want to go out and have recess and eat my little square pizza that the lunch lady's making. You know what I'm talking about? Get those little square pizzas. You know, they're terrible for you, and they're probably terrible, honestly, but I feel like they were so good, right? Anyway, uh, I just want to go to lunch, right? But I would recite it anyway. It'd be something a little bit like this. I think it should be up on the screen for you guys, but let's, uh, you know, I'm going to say it together. Uh, you, you put your hand on your heart and you would say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. And here we go. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Those are the four things that we're going to split into every week and talk about it. And today we're talking about one nation. But to me, as a first grader, that means absolutely nothing. You know, <laughs> like you're saying this and you're making me say this. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I don't care about this at all. Uh, but as I got older, 9-11 happened. And, you know, I was still pretty young at the time. I was in fourth grade. If that ages me a little bit or if it ages you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was in fourth grade when 9-11 happened. And uh, 
Even as a, as a young kid, I still remember where I was in that moment. And, and you know, we just celebrated, uh, you know, uh, not celebrated, but remembered anyway, another anniversary of 9-11 and, and what happened on that day. But, you know, what you do remember, I think, for the most part is where you were. But secondly, I think what we all remember is how the country just absolutely united together right after that, right? The country came together and unified in a way that we hadn't seen in a very, very long time before that. It had been many, many years. I would even argue, potentially, uh, World War II might have been the, the next time that we really, as a country, really united together, just putting aside all of our differences, right, to come under the banner of America and to fight with each other and for each other. We were hurting together. We were lifting each other up. And, man, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And to some, the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag and thinking about America, it might bring up some great uh, feelings of, of pride. Like if you maybe have started the military, you're a military family or something like that, or, or you just have had a great experience living in America and you've, you, you know, the pledge brings up these feelings of the life and liberty and freedom, pursuit of happiness, you know, that you've been able to enjoy. But also on the other side, there might be some people that when you think about America right now, you think about the pledge or the flag or something like that, it might bring up some feelings of pain, bring up some feelings of hurt, especially right now, reminding them of the sins of our forefathers that came before us, because how many of you know they weren't perfect, right? And there were some things in America that we still maybe have not uh, accounted for and reckoned for fully. Some feel like that last thing, number four, with liberty and justice for all, some feel like there's not liberty and justice for all right now. And that hurts, that's painful. And there's people on both sides of this. Whenever you think about America, you have these different thoughts and opinions and feelings that come up. And, and so we're gonna, we're gonna kind of wrestle with some of these things because in the last few months, our nation has gone through a shaking. You know that. We all agree that this has been a rough time. Since, starting since about February and March, it has been absolutely rough. We started with, you know, the coronavirus, the lockdowns. Man, all of you that have kids, you had your kids with you for the longest time, and you're like, dear Lord, can this be done so I can send my kids back to school? Praise Jesus. I need to get them out of the house. You know, we, had, uh, we have a two-year-old, but he was, you know, one and a half, I guess, at the time. He's about to have his birthday. And... Um, Man, it was tough even for me having one kid, right, that's not even in school, uh, just trying to get him out and having a place to play. He couldn't even go to the playscapes. You know, here in Plum Creek, we live right around the corner from here. All the playscapes are, you know, like boarded up, it almost seems like. It just was crazy. You couldn't even go to a playscape and have some fun. For those of you with three, four, five, six, God bless you if you have seven kids, you know, uh, you're having a tough time right now, even still. Then financially, people are going through some stuff, you know, like people are losing jobs left and right, and, and there's this pain and this hurt, and, and, and they're not sure where the next paycheck's going to come from, where the next meal is going to come from. But then let's add on top of that, George Floyd passes away, right? We see what happens there, and then the protests begin, and we start to see this divide grow even deeper, right? We start to see people hurting even more than they were before, and, and then now, Recently, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away. And you know what? On top of an already heated election battle, let's throw in a Supreme Court battle while we're at it, right? That's just, you know what, 2020, we might as well just throw it in there. Like, it just get it all out of the way right now, all of the craziness. You know what? And then on top of that, this last week, the Breonna Taylor decision comes in. And man, what do you see now? Once again, just further dividing, further dividing. People are hurting, pain. People have opinions on things. What do we do about social justice as Christians? What do we do about social justice and injustices that we see as Christians living in America? And I wanna encourage you 
to come back for this series because in week four, this is week one, in week four, we're going to talk about social justice and how we as Christians should respond to the injustices that we do see in this world. It's going to be very, very powerful. So I'm going to encourage you to come back. But you know, on top of that, guys, we're not done. Okay, we're not done. You thought I was done with the 2020 craziness. No, no, no. Let's throw a double hurricane in the Gulf Coast. A double hurricane, people. And then also some record-breaking wildfires out in California. Could 2020 be any crazier? Probably, yeah. (laughs) You know, it'll probably get crazier. It'll probably get worse before it gets better. And I think we all kind of feel that. It seems like we're headed into a place or headed into the season that it's like, it seems like we're, we're on the brink of something that we don't want to go to, right? And, and we're just desperate for some solutions. We're desperate for, for some normalcy, right? And just to have hope again and to have peace again in our nation. The answer is probably. But listen, I want to tell you right up front that this series is not about convincing you to pick a side on politics. Number one, I want to tell you that is not what we're doing here. It's not about saying that this party is right or this party is wrong. It's not about saying that this organization is right or this organization is wrong. That's not what we're doing here in this series. But let me tell you what the series is about. Instead of looking to the media, instead of looking to social media, Instead of looking to your family, instead of looking to your friends, instead of looking to the advertisements that are being shoved into your face by candidates, by organizations, by whoever it may be, we are going to look to God and his word first to see what he says about being an American and being a Christian. Amen? That's what we're going to do in this series. And I'm excited to do that with you guys because I think it's very important for where we're going right now. So what I want to ask is that we will do right now is we're going to pray, ask God to bless this series, and we'll get into it. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for our time together today that we can come and worship you. God, we lift your name up and we thank you for our nation, Lord. And we pray that you would heal our land, God, that you would just help us to uh, unite together today. And that we, as we look to your word, as we look to your son, Jesus, that you would help us uh, to stand united as one body and one family. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, Right off the bat, I want to first off just kind of, kind of say where I'm at with these things, not, not as a whole, but I just want to say in general, honestly, I love living in America, okay? America uh, is a great place to live. Uh, for the most part, do we have some problems? Yes, of course. But well, the first thing that I want to do is, is honor those people who have served in the military to protect the freedoms that we do have, right? Now, our systems are broken in a, in a lot of ways, but listen, we have some freedoms that many, many other countries do not have. And so I want to make sure that we honor uh, the people that have served in our armed forces. So if you wouldn't mind, if you have served in any capacity in armed forces, would you stand? so that we can just honor you right now. Come on, let's give it up for them. Thank you so much. Come on. Thank you. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank y'all so much for your service. Listen, we're the land of the free. We're the home of the brave. Come on now. People will say, America first, or you know, America's great, or whatever you might say. And in a lot of ways, we are great We have unlimited opportunities to worship freely. We can come into this building right now and and worship the Lord together. You know how many countries that you go into, if you did this right here, we would be in some big trouble, okay? You'd be thrown in jail if you did what we're doing right here, right now. You'd have to go into a house and worship in secret. Listen, that's a great freedom that we have. You can start a business. You can have kids. And although I do love our nation, I do love living in America. It's great. In God's eyes, America is not the promised land, okay? 
So many of us think that sometimes America is the promised land that God has just, you know, blessed us and called us, and we're the next Jerusalem, we're the next Israel. Listen, we are not the promised land. While we may be strong, powerful, have many blessings, we're not God's only, and we're not God's favorite nation. So the first thing I want to get across to you today, point number one, you can write this down if you want to, is that America is not God's chosen nation, all right? Was America founded on Christian values more than most? Do we have many freedoms that are biblically based? Yes, we do, and those are great. Is America a great place to live? Yeah, are some of our systems broken? Yes, it is. We do have some things that we need to work on. Any nation has some things that we're gonna have to work on, right? But are we God's chosen nation? No, we are not. That would be the land of Israel, that would be the Jews. But a lot of people, we think that, that we are God's chosen nation, right? Because we're the best, we're America. And then you know, America first, and we kind of mix that with God. Americans have such a hard time realizing, I think, that we're just one nation out of many, many other nations in this world. That there's this massive earth, this massive galaxy in a massive universe, and yet we're pretty prideful. And we think it's all about us and what's happening here in America. Well, in the book of James, it says that God opposes the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So can we humble ourselves for just a minute and realize that God's plans uh, for the world does not revolve around one nation's decisions and that we are Christians first and Americans second. Can I get an amen to that? We're Christians first, Americans second. Many of us have fallen into this trap of this civil religion where we mix our duty with God with our duty to our country. And now I don't want to say that either of those things are bad because inherently those are both great things. Being loyal to your country is a good thing. Fighting for your country and for the freedoms we have is an amazing thing. But Jesus didn't die for you so that you could uh, vote, tote your guns around, practice your free speech, right, and eat a burger on the 4th of July, okay? That's not why Jesus came and died for our sins. There's so much more to it. And I want to get across your constitutional rights. You can write this down. This is important to remember that your constitutional rights are not your God-given rights. There is a constitution for America, but God has his own constitution. And I want to tell you today that it is the word of God. He wrote his own constitution. And, and it, as Jesus followers, not here to just offend the first and second and third amendment, but we're here to show people that God can amend their story, right? That Jesus did so much more than just come down so that we could have burgers on 4th of July. Come on, that's not what Jesus died for. He came down and amended the contract between heaven and earth. Do you know what it means to amend something, an amendment? The amendment is to formally modify or formally change something. So what did Jesus do when he came down to the earth? He said, you know what? I'm going to take that contract that we have from heaven and earth right now, where it says that, that man is separated from God because of our sin. I'm going to step into that mess and I'm going to formally change that contract to where now you are healed. You are saved. You are delivered. You are set free. And you can now have a relationship with God most high. And Jesus made the best amendment that has ever happened in the history of the world and that ever will be in the history of the world. Jesus made that amendment to the contract between heaven and earth. And it's an amazing contract. Your sin is washed away, white as snow. Remember, the word of God is always going to be more important than any man-made document. Why? Because at the core of it, it's man-made. And what's wrong with man? We're sinful. And we, we're messed up. We're not perfect. We, we do mess up. And the beauty of God is that he's holy and he never messes up. He always, always, always wins. The second point today is that a house divided cannot stand. 
A house divided cannot stand. You can write that down. I have a verse for you too. It's Matthew 12, 22 through 28. You should be able to read it up on here unless uh, you're at the back and you have poor vision. I'm sorry, that is my fault. It's super small. I'm used to having very large screens and these things are not as big. So I'll read it for you. Then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. All the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, which is uh, another way to say Satan, essentially, the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out the demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay, Uh, I have a couple of guys, uh, I think Sheldon and Alec, if you guys are here. Come on up, come on up. Uh, Give it up for my friends, Sheldon and Alec. I want you guys to come up. I have basketball here. If you were thinking this is the schools, no, it's mine. Uh, For those like people that were you know, looking at all the setup and you see the basketball in the corner and it's just like bothering you the whole time because you thought it was the schools. No, 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 it's for illustration, I promise. Um, Listen, I love basketball. I don't know if you've been keeping up with basketball at all recently. To be honest, I haven't. Normally I would be, uh, but there's just so much going on right now with the church launching and everything. I haven't been keeping too much up with it. Uh, I love football too, so I've kind of picked the one sport, you know, and I'm like, I don't have time to watch all this stuff, so I'll find the scores later and all that good stuff. But uh, if you've been watching, you know there's been some crazy, crazy games in the playoffs recently. And uh, so I do love basketball. You know, I played for many, many years and got a little tricks for you. Come on now, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got some tricks for you. Uh, I played for many, many years. I was, a, uh, I was a short kid for a long time. And then I was a, uh, a tall kid. <laughs> and I grew about six inches in one year. And I went from being the point guard to then being the tall guy on the team. And it was difficult because I, I was about 6'2", like I am now, but I was 160 pounds, guys. I was very, very skinny, uh, very small. Just to give you some context, now I'm about 240, all right? So that is 80 pounds ago and 10 years ago. Praise God. Some of you are, are feeling the same way right now. But I do love basketball. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to have these guys, you know, let's say we have some goals on each side. So guys, come on up here. Come on up. Come on up. Uh, I want you, Alec, uh, you are on uh, this one team, and I want you to grab this ball, and I want you to take it that way for me, okay? No, 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 hold on, but, but I, w- I want you, Sheldon. Uh, would you grab this ball? I want you to just take it to the other goal on the other side. Can you guys do that for me real quick? Just go ahead. Go- guys, come on. <clears throat> Y'all are big dudes. I mean, like, guys, Alec, I said, would you please take it that way? Come on. Sheldon, what are you doing? Sheldon, take it to the other side. What are you doing? Guys, okay, fight a little bit more. Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, okay, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You're already sweaty, guys. Goodness gracious. Listen, here's the deal. What does this represent? They just look like a fool up here, right? What is the problem here? What's the issue here? They're fighting and they're taking each other against each other. When we're fighting against each other, trying to take each other to a separate goal, right? If you're trying to go to the right or to the left and you're pulling each other in opposite directions, what ends up happening? We're not going anywhere. 
We're not moving anywhere. All we're doing is we are getting exhausted, right? We're exhausted and we're tired. We're trying to go one place to another, but all we're doing is being exhausted. Guys, can you give it up for our friends? You guys can go have a seat. Alec, here you go, my friend. Hook shot. There it is. All right. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another and what you say that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. How smart of Satan, right? How intelligent of him that he would come in, divide us on social issues, divide us through our politics, to the point when we're trying to pull each other in these opposite directions so, so far. We say, no, 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 come over to my side. Come over to my point. Arguing over Facebook, arguing over Twitter. Pull, no, no, come over here. This is the right way. This is the way that God wants it. No, 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 no. Listen, we're so tired and we're so, uh, so concerned about proving our point that we forget to point people to Jesus, which is what really matters. I don't want you guys to be trying to prove a point to the right or the left. Listen, guys, we're not doing that in this place. At Radical Church, we're not pulling people to the right and the left. We are pointing people straight up to Jesus Christ. Amen? We're the body of Christ. One family, one body, ultimately one nation under God. And in week two, next week, I want you to come back because, man, we're going to talk about what that means to be under God. That's the second phrase. Uh, we're not going to be under culture and what media has to say, what celebrities have to say, what uh, social media has to say. We're going to get really dive into that deep. And we're going to talk about what it means to live under God and not under culture. Because here's the issue is sometimes we kind of, with that balance tips to where we start to get into this thing called idolatry, right? Where we start idolizing culture and thinking about culture and what social media says more than what the word of God says, right? So we're going to talk about that next week. I want to make sure that you come back for that. And as the band starts to come up, I'm going to get into this third point. The last point I have for you today is that this world is not your home. This world is not your home. Pastor Trevor, aren't you worried at all that if the Democrats take power that we're going to be persecuted? Nah, I'm not worried. You know why? Because no matter who is elected, it doesn't matter because your party doesn't have to be in charge for God's plans to take fruition. Your party does not have to be in charge. Are we that arrogant? Are we that arrogant to put God in a box of Republican or Democrat? The God of the universe who created you and created me, are we that self-centered and arrogant as Americans that we think that if our party is not in charge, that God's plans can't come to fruition? Listen, God is not a Republican. God is not a Democrat. He's not a conservative or a liberal. He's been on the throne long before America was even a blip in this universe. And he'll be God on the throne long when we're gone. If persecution becomes greater, so what? Good. Let it happen. You know why? James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Say that with me, perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten something that was expensive and maybe it was given to you by your parents? Like if you were in high school, uh, my, my mom and dad, they were so kind to me. They gave me my first car and uh, I absolutely loved it. 
It was a 2003 Dodge Durango. Come on. I got it. It wasn't really that old, to be honest. It was a great vehicle. It was a tank. I called it Tank. That was its name. Uh, it was a workhorse, and it did me well over the years. But how many of you know that when you're given something like that, sometimes uh, you don't really take as good care of it, right? My dad would get on to me sometimes, and he would say, son, you know, you need to take that thing to the wash. Or, you know, more importantly, he would say, why don't you get out there and wash it yourself, is really what you said, didn't you? Yeah, come on. Uh, and so he would say, get out there and wash it yourself. Take good care of it. You know, get the pickles off the rug, son. You know, like you're like, you got the McDonald's bags on the, on the back. But how many of you know that when you buy something with your own money and you work for it and you have some blood, sweat, and tears that is poured into something like a house or a car or whatever it may be, you take a little bit better care of it, right? Usually you take a lot more care of it. So for you today, how does that apply to our walk with Christ? Listen, we have these freedoms that are amazing. We have these freedoms that are great, that we enjoy. Sometimes we take them for granted. We take it for granted. And we don't really have to work too hard in America to be a Christian. You don't have to work too hard to do it. But man, sometimes I think what would happen if we did get persecuted and, and there was somebody put in, in power in America where we're facing some of the same situations that other countries are facing that if you come to church, you could be executed, right? What's that gonna do? Man, it's gonna, it's gonna divide who's really here for the right reasons. And who's here just because it's a place to get some free coffee on a Sunday morning and hang out and check off a box? Amen? We have to take this seriously. Why? Because Jesus is real. God is real. And he came down to this earth to amend that contract between heaven and earth. He made the greatest amendment and he wants to amend your story. Whatever your story is, whether you faced hurt, whether you faced pain in the past, God can change that in an instant. His son Jesus came to die on the cross and he's taken all of that sin and all the bad stuff that we've ever done. He put it upon himself so that we could have a relationship with God. And I love this. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, whoever's in charge, the world is getting darker and darker. We know that, we see that. But what's the beauty of when something gets darker is that light shines brighter, amen? Jesus says in the word that he is the light of the world. The darkness cannot overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So I want to read this verse to you, Philippians 3, 17 through 20. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before and I say it again with tears in my eyes. Imagine him writing this, tears in his eyes. There are many whose conduct, conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. This world is not your home. We are citizens of heaven, sons and daughters of the most high God. And he has a plan for your life that's much greater than 2020. Your life is gonna go beyond 2020, okay? There's a lot more hurt and a lot more struggle that we're gonna have in this life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus beat death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. So why would we be scared when we know that this is just such a short period of our lives? 2020 is gonna come and go. And you know, God willing, hopefully things start to get easier and we start to find some solutions to some of these things that are in our nation that are broken. And I, well, I will pray that we do. 
But at the end of the day, we know if you read Revelations that the world is gonna get worse and worse and worse before Christ returns. So instead of praying against some of these things, you know what, let's pray that the will of God would be done and let's unify together, right? At the end of the day, that's what matters. So I wanna give you three things, three actionables that you can write down as you go along this week. Number one, be humble. America is not God's chosen nation, so be humble and try to understand somebody else's point of view. Because being humble, what does that mean? It means that you might be wrong about something and you're open to being wrong about something, okay? So let's be humble. And and as we're in conversations about the election, as we're in conversations about the things that we see happening with social injustice, whatever it might be, listen, just be humble and understand that you might be wrong. Number two, be united. That's the biggest thing today, be united. That disagreement doesn't have to mean disunity. When Paul was writing these verses, he's saying, be united in mind, be united in thought. But more importantly, you know, like he's not saying you're gonna think the exact same way. You're not a robot, you know what I mean? We're all different. We have different personalities and different feelings and different life experiences that are gonna lead us to the conclusions that we have even about the Bible and what we think about the Bible sometimes. But listen, at the end of the day, Disagreement does not have to mean disunity. And we have to strive and purposefully work towards being unified as the body of Christ. That is the most important thing that we can do throughout this season and just in our lives in general. And number three, I want you to remember to be at peace. Just be at peace. Knowing that God is in control, no matter what party is in control. That we place our hope, not in a politician, not in the right or the left, but we place our hope in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I don't know what you've come in this place with. I don't know what your thoughts are, opinions on things. At the end of the day, it matters. It matters what you think about things. We need to have great discourse and be able to have conversations, mature conversations about things. But at the end of the day, as Christ followers, none of it matters. Why? Because the only thing that really matters is Jesus. And everything that you think, everything that you allow into your mind, I want you to remember constantly to filter that through the word of God. Because the word of God is more important than any man-made document, right? And, and, and any thought, any social media posts, anything like that. Don't be swayed by the world. Don't be swayed by culture. But if you're gonna allow yourself to be swayed in any way, be swayed towards the word of God and towards Jesus, amen? And towards unity. So I'm gonna pray for that today. That's what we're gonna ask God to do is to unify us as a body of Christ today that as we go throughout this series, that we would be unified in thought, unified in, in, our, in our striving to be more like Jesus, not more like the world, amen? So let's pray together and we'll ask God to do that and we'll sing. You know, actually, I wanna, this song that we're singing today is perfect, as a matter of fact, Waymaker, right? And the, and the bridge, it goes, which I think we're about to sing it. It says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's what we're, I'm pretty sure that's what we're about to sing right now. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. When I don't see what the plan is for our nation, when it doesn't look like that we're going in the right direction or, or I don't see how could you let this person be in power or how could you let this person be in power or whatever it might be, even in your own personal life. You see, God, what's going on in my life? I lost my job. I don't, we don't have enough money right now. Our kids aren't even in school right now, whatever it may be, or we're having trouble, we're struggling. I don't see how, what's the plan here, God? What's the plan? 
Even when you don't see it, he's still working. Even when you don't feel it, I wanna encourage you that he's working in your life. I promise you, Jesus has more plans for your life than the stars in the sky. He thinks about you more every single day than you could ever think about anything else in your life. God has a plan for you. He knows you, he cares about you. And he's here in this place today. So let's pray together for this unity. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we ask that you would unify us right now. That as we sing and as we start to see this election come forth, God, we know that you're on the throne. You've been on the throne long, long, long before America was ever a thought. And at the end of the day, you're gonna be on the throne long, long after we're gone. So God, we thank you that you're in control, no matter what party is in control. But God, I ask that we would be unified today, unified in thought, unified in mind, Lord, unified in spirit, that as the body of Christ, that we would stand together, unified as one family, not being pulled to the right or to the left, but that we remember that our job is to point people to Jesus Christ. And as we point people to Jesus Christ, Lord, that our body would grow, our family would grow, that even when we don't see you working, God, we know that you're working in our lives. We know that you're here with us today, Jesus. And I ask that anybody that has a thought in their mind about God doesn't love me, God's mad at me, Lord, I pray right now that you would take that away from them in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would help them to see that you're here in this place. God, that you have authority over our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We worship you, God. You know what? Hey, let's worship together. Come on. Would you lift your voice?